Your mom. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles tonight and go to John chapter 3. Continue going through the book of John. And uh, before we start reading, I want to read the last verse that we looked at last week. Last week we went through all of John chapter 2. And uh, I think the end of chapter 2 kind of sets up a little bit of what we see taking place in chapter 3. So I just kind of want to remind us of this. But it says in verse 25, uh, it says, "...and needed not that any should testify of man." For he knew what was in man. If you remember last week, we talked about how Jesus saw that multitude. Uh, he knew what was in them. He knew how fickle the people were. And so he didn't commit himself into their hands. He wasn't going to entrust himself to them because that, the multitudes had a tendency to turn real quick and he could, he could see right through them. He could see right through anybody. And nobody needed to testify of man. He knew what was in man. And so, understand that's where it left off. And then we get to chapter 3 where we have the story of him uh, dealing with Nicodemus. And so, it's important that we remember what we just looked at because much of what Jesus is saying here to Nicodemus, He's saying this because of the fact uh, you know, He knows what's in His heart. So, uh, I'm not just... you know, when I, we, I'm saying some of the things that I say about Nicodemus. I don't believe I'm just reading between the lines or adding anything in here. Jesus is looking into his heart. He knows what he's thinking. And I think that's, uh, it's key to understand that uh, as we go through this, pa- uh, this passage. So look what, let's start reading in verse 1. And it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, ye cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So right here, Jesus is doing with Nicodemus, what he did in the last chapter with the multitude. He's looking into his heart. He knows what he's thinking. He comes to Jesus by night and, you know, and he's telling him, listen, we, we know, okay? All the Pharisees, they knew there was something special about Jesus. There was no doubt about it, but yet they had hard hearts. They were stubborn. But we have Nicodemus, though. He's not quite like the rest of them. Nicodemus, you know, he, he really wants to get to the truth. He wants to find out the truth but he's scared of what the other Pharisees are going to say. So he comes by night. He goes secretly to Jesus because he's wanting to, uh, you know, he's wanting to talk to him. He's wanting to find out what's going on. And Jesus, when he looks into the heart of Nicodemus, what did he see? And I believe we can find out what he saw here. And uh, I first, I believe he saw a man that thought he was okay because he was a Jew. Look what it says in verse 7. It says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Nicodemus is not, he's not getting it. And one of the, once again, Jesus, many times he would, he'd speak in parables. And it would frustrate the disciples. Like, Lord, why are you speaking in parables? The people don't understand it. But the thing is, Jesus, did, there were some things 
He's only going to allow those who are of faith to understand. There are some things that only saved people are going to understand. And if people are not willing to have faith, God's not going to give them understanding. And so the, we know that the Jews, they struggled with faith. And especially the Pharisees, they really struggled with it. But this man, the re, he thought he was okay because he was a Jew. He, Jesus, the first thing he says to him, ye must be born again. Now, why would you say that? Okay, now we're used to that statement today, but that's never been said before. That was never talked about in the Old Testament about being born again. There was no prophecies in the Old Testament about being born again. This is a brand new thing that Jesus is saying here. And He's telling him, you must be born again. Why would He say that? Because this is a man who thought he was okay because he was a Jew. He thought he was okay because of his lineage. And turn over to Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. Now, how, do you, how do you know that's what he was thinking? That's what the Pharisees thought all the time. That's what the Jews thought all the time. John the Baptist dealt with this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. It says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, generation of vipers. He did, did he just trash their whole race pretty much? You know, you generation of vipers who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Why would these you know, wonderful Jews, why would these chosen people be under the wrath of God? And in verse 8, bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourself, we have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. This is what the Pharisees thought. We're covered because we're the children of Abraham. We're covered because we're the Jews. And you know what? This whole chapter, this would be a great chapter. You know, you can talk about Zionism and stuff. And you've all heard me say enough about that. I'm not going to talk about that tonight. But I do think that it's appropriate if we were to apply the thinking of the Pharisees with the thinking of many Christian people today. Okay? How many, how many of you in here, you grew up in a Christian home? Okay? Alright? How many of you grew, in, uh, grew up in the home of a Baptist? Alright? How many of you grew up in Baptist homes? Alright? Some of you grew up in Baptist homes. Okay? Now, we struggle with this many times. When you grow up Baptist, you... You know, there's just certain things you never did, okay? I, I never had to repent of my drinking and smoking and cussing and lack of church attendance and, you know, lack of tithing. I mean, the first time I remember making five bucks, you know, my dad telling me, you know, you're supposed to give 10% of that to God. And I only had five ones, and so I gave a dollar. And I, you know, I, I, I gave 20%. That was pretty good. But, but um, you know, I, I didn't have to repent of those things. I grew up with those things. I grew up living like a Christian. And then, you know, and what happens a lot of times too, there's sadly amongst Baptists, there's a lot of people who grow up in Baptist churches and Baptist homes. And a lot of preachers kids many times, they struggle with their salvation and assurance of their salvation. And a lot of that's because of all this preaching you hear all the time. You know, you go to these camp meetings and everybody's always talking about their change. You know, and I used to do this and now I, you know, now I do, I don't do these things and I do this instead. And they're always talking about that changed life. Well, you have this person who grew up Baptist. You know, when you get saved, you know, when I got saved as a five year old, there wasn't a huge change that took place because, you know, what am I going to give up? You know, 
Truth is, I didn't repent of my sins. I kept hitting my sisters even after I got saved. You know, I, you know, I still did things I wasn't supposed to. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything worse I did than that. You know, in in my early years. But you know, there's not a huge difference that takes place. And so you have these kids; they grow up in that Christian home, and then they get into their teenage years, and all of a sudden, you know, they start, you know, learning about the world. They start learning about what's out there. They get curious and all of a sudden something happens. They find out that they have a desire for some of those worldly things. And they're, and a lot of times like, you know, what's wrong with me? Why do I want to do that? I shouldn't want to do that. I'm a Christian. I must not be saved. And so then they go and then they make another profession. Oh, and they, you know, and they, they do, man. They, they got in trouble with something. They did some things they weren't supposed to do. And so they feel bad. I must not have been saved. And so they go and they get saved again. They get baptized. All right, hopefully now I'm not going to want to do those things anymore. And then a few months later, they're wanting to do those things again. And then they do those things again. I must not have got saved that time either. And they're getting saved over and over and over again. When you only really get saved one time, what's going on? Well, what's going on is, is they don't understand the concept of being born again. Many people think being born again is, you know, when, when you change your life. You know, I heard somebody say one time, you know, that uh, somebody asked them that they were born again and they're like, oh no, I don't make promises I can't keep. Really? So is that what it means to get saved? We promise God we're not going to do this and this and this anymore and then He saves us? That's not about being born again. But to the world many times, and even a lot of Christians, being born again means you change your life. But is that what Jesus was talking about with Nicodemus here? That's not what He was talking about. Nicodemus thought he was going to heaven because he was a Jew, because of how well he had kept the law. He's a Pharisee, but Jesus said, no, you need to be born again. You're a sinner. And when... Young people who grow up in Christian homes, especially in Baptist homes, or especially in a preacher's home, one that's really one that's really strict, what happens many times is they've not they've not been taught the truth that listen, when you were born, you were born a sinner. You have a desire, a natural tendency to sin. You're gonna have the desire to sin. Your flesh is sinful, and your flesh will always be sinful. Even after you get saved, your flesh will still be sinful. You will still be prone to wonder. You still will be bent on backsliding like we talked about Sunday night. You're still going to want to do those things. And you getting to heaven has nothing to do with how you act physically. It has nothing to do with how you are in this physical body, in this flesh, okay? When you were born, that you were born with the first time. It has everything to do with being born again. And when we get born again, it's when we're going to see it's when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we trust in Him for salvation and we stop trusting on our works. And Nicodemus was a man who thought he was covered because he was a Jew. He thought he was covered because of his, you know, how well he kept the law. And there's a lot of Christian kids or kids that grow up in Christian homes that are confused because they not they they don't understand what it means to be born again. They don't realize they've not been taught that you know you're you're going to desire to do some things that you shouldn't do. 
If you don't watch yourself, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Your flesh is going to be prone to sin. But they listen to these camp meeting preachers. They talk about, you know, when I was a young person, young adult, I did this and I did that. And then, you know, one day I got in trouble with the law and I ended up in jail. And after that, I went to church and I got born again. And I never did those things. I never looked back. I never wanted to do those things again. Well, you know what? I'd like to think that if I got busted for something and I got thrown in jail, that I would learn my lesson too. That's not being born again. That's called growing up. That's just called learning your lesson. I know a lot of lost people that used to do a bunch of bad stuff and they got busted. They got thrown in jail and they're like, you know what? Forget this. I'm not doing that anymore. And they straighten their life out. But is that salvation? Is that being born again? No, that's called growing up. And these crazy camp meeting preachers, a lot of times, you know, they're so messed up on salvation, it's not even funny. And it's, I tell you, the, the doctrine that is being taught in Baptist churches today is just embarrassing. People don't even know what it means to be born again. And so, and so you do. You've got kids that grow up in church just confused out of their mind because they're listening to these camp meeting preachers who have no youthful lusts anymore, apparently. And they do. And so they think something's wrong. No, and what's wrong with them is they still have sinful flesh. And what they need to do is they, they need to get born again, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then ask the Holy Spirit to help them get victory over this flesh. Yes? I never, I never heard that until I came to this church because when I got saved, I thought, well, that takes care of it all. But, you know, nobody said my spirit was saved. Yeah, mm. but my flesh is lost as it ever I know. I keep, you know, I keep doing these things and I say, why do I keep doing these things? I'm saved. That's right. Hey, the just live by faith. Yeah, it's not being taught in a lot of places. You know, I'm sorry, this is where you have to come all the time to hear the truth. You know, I wish more places taught the truth, but you know, somebody's got to do it. All right, somebody's got to do it. And, it, and it's, it's very clear, these things aren't that hard. But you know, here's the problem. You know, you got a lot of preachers out there. They're all about, you know, we want to get people looking a certain way. Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I want our church looking a certain way, acting a certain way. I want all that stuff. But at the same time, I'm not willing to step outside, you know, my realm of authority. I'm not going to lie to get you to do what I want you to do. Okay? I'm going to have to preach the truth, rely on the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I just got to, you know, mind my own business and just, you know, deal with the fact that not everybody's going to do everything exactly the way I want. But if I wanted to, I could turn to manipulation. And I could use Scripture and twist some things around and make you do what I want, but I don't want to do that. That's, that's not appropriate. I don't believe God's going to bless that. And I believe, you know, we'll get better results from people by just telling them the truth and, let, and letting God deal with them. But Nicodemus, though, he, he thought he was okay because he was a Jew. You know, he was a man who struggled with faith. Jesus told him, you know, the wind blows where it listeth. You hear the sound. Listen, now, some of you in here, you might be really smart. You might understand these scientific things, but I don't understand wind. You know, where, where, does, where does the wind start? You know, what causes it? All right, I know, Brother Eric, you, you know meteorology and you probably get all that stuff. All right, don't educate me on that. You'll, I, I won't understand it and I'll feel stupid after talking to you. But at the same time, I don't get it. But yet, I believe in the wind. I believe in the weather. I can see the results of it. I mean, it's definitely there. 
I, I, don't under, I don't understand how these weather people can predict what the weather is going to be a week from now. You know, I, I don't, but some people, they figure that stuff out. They understand it. And, you know, but a lot of things, though, we do. We just kind of take by faith, don't we? We just, we've seen it. And Nicodemus, he's struggling with that. He's struggling with faith. He's like, how can a man be born when he is old? Now, here's something to think about. Can you think about somebody else in the Old Testament who, or maybe a, a story in the Old Testament that he should have thought about. When Jesus said, ye must be born again. Now, yes, that is impossible for you to enter into your mother's womb and to be born again. But can you anybody think of a story in the Old Testament about somebody being born when it was impossible to be born? Come on. No? That's a good example too, but Isaac. Isaac, okay? He was born... After when his father was a hundred and his mother was ninety years old, he should not have been able to be born. Yet he was. It was a miracle. It was. It was a promise. And you know what? The reason Isaac was born was because you know it, it was a faith thing. It was a promise. God promised him to Abraham. I got a fly or something bother me. And and Abraham, he he believed God. Look, uh, turn over to Romans chapter nine. And so Nicodemus, if he's going to get saved, if he's going to get born again. He's going to have to have faith. He's got to, he, he's, he's got to have that. And in Romans chapter 9, verse 31, it says, But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So right there we see how Israel, they struggled with faith. Nicodemus. He's struggling here. He's having a hard time. Jesus understands that. If he's going to get saved, he's got to have faith. He's got to, he's got to believe. And so he tells him, he must be born again. That's impossible. But he needed to believe him. Just like when God told Abraham, you're going to have a son and I'm going to multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. Abraham believed God, didn't he? Abraham had faith. And if we're going to get saved, we're going to get born again. We have to have faith. And so Nicodemus, he's struggling. So Jesus, he's telling them these things. And look what he says in verse. So Nicodemus in verse nine says he answered and said to him, "How can these things be? How can someone be born again?" Verse ten. Jesus answered and said unto him, "Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness." See, you're a master, you're a leader, you're a teacher, and you don't know about these things? Something's, something's wrong here. Why don't you know about this? Why don't you get this? Why don't you understand it? I believe Jesus saw a man who was well-meaning and in a position of leadership, but he wasn't qualified for it. Why? Because he spoke of things that he didn't know. When we're going to be teaching on a subject, we should know about that subject. Okay, I'm not going to get up here and teach a course on mechanics. I'm going to look like an idiot. You know, we talk about things that we know, things that we understand. That's what we're supposed to teach. And Nicodemus here, he's a ruler of the Jews. He's a master. And yet, he doesn't understand something as simple as faith. And we see faith throughout the entire Old Testament. You don't think there was faith in the Old Testament. Go read Hebrews chapter 11 and you'll find out there was a lot of faith in the Old Testament. A lot of people that had it. And here you've got a ruler of the Jews 
who doesn't understand faith. He doesn't understand believing God. And he said, and um, and he said, uh, he mentioned how uh, we speak that we do know. Jesus is talking about things that he knows. We testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. And then, so Jesus, he's you know, he's kind of questioning why he was a teacher when he knew that he didn't know what he was talking about. And you know, we shouldn't be doubting those th- those who do know and prove what they've talk- they're talking about. It, Jesus, th- one of the reasons they Nicodemus is saying these things to, G- to Jesus about how we know you're of God was because they saw the miracles. They saw the things he did. Jesus was saying some pretty big things. He was saying some pretty amazing things. He was making some pretty big claims. But you know what? Jesus backed up everything he did. Jesus was constantly proving he was who he said he was. It was very clear he knew what he was talking about. He was very clear he was somebody that they should be trusting. And so in verse 12, it says, If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Jesus, he's trying to explain a heavenly thing in an earthly way. When he says, you know, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit. Okay? The water, born of water, that's a physical birth. Okay? We've all been born physically. But not everybody's been born spiritually. What Jesus is doing, he's trying to explain something heavenly in an, earth, in an earthly way. If he speaks in a heavenly way, nobody's going to get it. But yet at the same time, he did speak of heavenly things. And he said that no one can speak of those things unless they've been there. Okay? You're supposed to only speak of things that you know. Things that you are qualified to speak of. If Jesus is going to be talking about heavenly things, the only way He is qualified to do that is if He has actually been in heaven. If He has actually come down from heaven and what Jesus is telling Nicodemus here, basically, is that I'm either who I say I am or I'm a liar. Okay? You've got a lot of these Jews that are out there that, you know, they'll tell you, you know, Jesus was a good man. Some, some of them will say that, trying to be nice to Christians. Jesus was a good man. Not if he wasn't the Messiah. You know, if you're saying that you're the Messiah when you're not, you're not a good man. If you're saying you're God when you're not, you're not a good man. Jesus was either who He said He was or He was a fraud and He was a liar. I have more respect for a Jew who says that, you know, that Jesus was a liar than one who tries to just say He's a good man. You can't have it. You can't have it that way. He was either who He said He was or He was a liar. No one is qualified to talk about heavenly things unless they actually came from there. And that's what Jesus was saying there in verses 12 and 13. And so, in verse, so the next thing we see about Nicodemus, what Jesus saw, Jesus saw a man that was on his way to hell unless he had faith. Look what it says in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
And this is the condemnation that light has come to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. We see here Jesus, he, meant, he refers to a story that Nicodemus would be very familiar with. The story of Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. And we're not going to take time to read the story, but if you go back to number... Well, let's go ahead and look at it. Go to Numbers chapter 21. It's, it's, not a, it's not a long story. Let's read it in case anyone's not familiar with it. But I believe that this story here is it's no doubt a picture of salvation because of the simple fact that Jesus used it. Jesus used it right before He gives the famous John 3.16 verse. But look what it says in Romans 21, number 21 verse 4. Uh, it says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to come... Uh, to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he had beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. They say, how is this story a picture of salvation? Well, here we have a people that made God very angry, didn't they? They made God angry. They, I mean, God is upset at what they have done. And here these fiery serpents come along. I think many times in the Bible, a serpent is a picture of sin. And they go and they bite these people and they're dying. People are dying. And then God, uh, God ends up telling Moses to make this uh, fiery serpent, put it on a pole and show it to the people. And whoever looks at it will live. That's where we get the song, Look and Live. And that's a picture of salvation because how do we get saved? We get saved by looking at Jesus. We get saved by believing on Him. Is there any work in that? Was there any work in these people just looking at that? It just, it just took enough faith. Hey, y'all are dying. People are dropping dead everywhere. If you want to live, look at this. That takes, that, there's no work in that, but it does take faith. You don't get healed from a snake bite by looking at one on a pole. Well, you do if that's what God tells you to do. And can a person really be cleansed of all their sins just by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yep, because that's what God said to do. And there's nothing magical that you do, but you just have to have faith. And Nicodemus needed to do that. That was what they did back then. And they got healed. Their lives were saved. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you need to have faith. And Nicodemus was on his way to hell unless he had faith. And whosoever believeth should not perish. You're going to die. You're going to go to hell if you do not believe on Me. And in John chapter 3, verse 14-18, through 18, Jesus, He's revealing salvation by, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You want to be saved? Believe in Me. For whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's telling Nicodemus, believe Me. Believe what I say. If you'll believe Me, you'll be saved. You'll enter into the kingdom of heaven if you'll believe in Me. You've got to do that and you're going to have to have some faith. 
And I, I believe that Nicodemus got saved. And so this story of Moses slipping up the serpent, I, it is. It's a great picture of salvation. It's one Nicodemus would have known. But Jesus, he, when he looked at Nicodemus, he saw a man just like everyone else who had a choice, but he needed to accept that free gift. Look what it says in verse 19. All right, I'm still in numbers. Go back to John chapter 3. It says, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. People who don't get saved, it's because they reject that gift. It was their choice. The Bible says, you know, this is the condemnation. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Not everybody's going to take it. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Notice, Jesus didn't tell Nicodemus, if you want to get saved, you need to do this and this and this and this. Notice He didn't tell him any works. He didn't say keep the commandments. What did He say? He said, believe in Me. You're going to have to have faith. That, that's where we get John 3.16 from. That's what it means to be born again. It means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean change your act. It doesn't mean grow up. It means believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nicodemus was probably a really good guy that kept a lot of laws. Probably a lot more than other people did. But he needed to be born again. And there are, there's, a lot, there's a lot of people, I believe, in churches today that they've kind of grown up in church and they've never been born again. They think they're good. Well, I'm Baptist or I'm Catholic or I'm whatever. They think they're covered because of their religion. Oh, I come from a long line of Baptists. You know, my daddy and my granddaddy and my great-great-granddaddy, they were all Baptists. I know they're all in heaven. My ancestors are all in heaven. And no doubt, I'm going to be there too. Sounds just like the Jews did. Talking about how we have Abraham as our father. No, you must be born again. And that's why, too, you know, it bothers me these people that still try to make a big deal about the seed of Abraham when the Bible teaches you must be born again. You must, anybody that's going to get to heaven, they have to be born again. It, it was clearly revealed in the New Testament that, you know, you have to be born again. It's those who are of faith. They are the seed of, they are the seed of Abraham. And it's just people, they just reject it. And the stubbornness in that, uh, in that subject, it, it blows my mind. The Bible just, it can't get any clearer. I mean, you, you do, you have to just re- reject, you have to deny to not see that. But look, go ahead and let's go to verse 22. It kind of changes subject here. So I, I believe, I believe that Nicodemus got saved. Uh, we see him, we're going to see him later on in the Bible. But verse 22, it says, after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea. And there he tarried with them and baptized. Um, and John also was baptizing Anon near to Salem because there was much water there and they came and were baptized. Right here, just kind of a side note, another example of proof that baptism is immersion. Notice where he baptized. It was a place where there was much water. Okay, there needed to be a lot of water so you can get down in there and get people under the water. Okay, that throws, you know, that's an, just one more example that just kind of throws out the whole sprinkling thing. But then verse 24, it says, For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples 
and the Jews about purifying. And what's interesting there, and they're going to go to John here in a minute. The Bible doesn't tell us what they were talking about exactly. It doesn't talk. It doesn't say what specific custom, ritual, whatever they were talking about. But it, it was probably something similar to some of the things they brought up to Jesus. You know, they were, you know, why do your disciples not wash before eating? You know, they would come, they would come up with all these things. They weren't a part of the law. They were just traditions and customs. And Jesus was always getting on to them for that stuff. And no, and John, he doesn't even address what they talked about exactly. You know why? Because it wasn't important. Okay? What they were talking about, it was just something that was that was no big deal. It was something they tried to make a big deal out of so they could prove that they were better than everybody else. And, and you know what? We do that too as Baptists. You know, we've all we've got our things that we do or we don't do that you know that might be good. And we like to use those things to show how we're better than everybody else. You know, we, we always got to be a little more strict maybe in one area than other people. And we'll, we'll even take things overboard. Just, you know, you know how, co- how come you all use that in your church? We don't do that. Why do you wear that? We don't, we don't wear that. You know, it's just, you can take that stuff too far and you can use it to, as a way to elevate yourself. And did the Jews not do that kind of stuff? Yeah, they did. And you know, I'm afraid, this is a side note, when churches get all caught up in all these outward traditions, I'm afraid many times when that's all they're interested in, that's all they want to talk about, I mean, they make these you know crazy requirements. If you're going to be a part of the church, you've got to do all these things. I'm afraid many times churches that get caught up into that stuff, many of them, the people in those churches are not born again. I believe they're much like the Jews who they were they weren't born again, they weren't saved, but boy, weren't they all about those traditions and things? And we see that people after they would get saved, they just they didn't care about that stuff anymore. Those traditions, they were nothing. They didn't mean anything. And so um, look at verse twenty six, it says, And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all, and all men come to him. And John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled he must increase, but I must decrease. John, he clearly shows in this passage that the work that he was doing, it was not about himself. And that's another thing too that happens many times in churches is, you know, a lot of preachers get caught up in building a name for themselves. It's all about, you know, it's a big popularity contest. It's a big show. You know, they got, they got to get everybody, you know, thinking they're great. John the Baptist wasn't interested in that. John the Baptist, he wasn't out there to talk about himself. John the Baptist was pretty popular. You know, John the Baptist, he did his preaching out in the wilderness and people would go out there to see him. You know, and Jesus asked him, you know, what you went, what went ye for out to see? I'm not saying that right. You know, you went out in the wilderness to see, what were you looking for? You know, they, they heard about this guy. There was obviously something special. He attracted a big crowd, a lot of people. But then Jesus shows up on the scene. And what does he do? He points them out. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We saw some of his disciples went and followed Jesus. And now all the people are going towards Jesus and they're 
John's not as big of a deal anymore. And so people are there, they're coming to him and they're saying that, you know, hey, you know, how do you feel about this? More of that people are following him now than you. And you know why they were saying this? And this is a great lesson. I, I've talked about this before, but we, we all do this. And listen, before you go, you know, accusing people of, you know, what, whenever you go and you say, accuse somebody of thinking something, you're revealing how you really think. Because we do, we judge people the way we are. Okay, when we see somebody doing something or acting a certain way, you know, and we do when we make judgments about what's going on in their mind, we do that because it's like, well, if I was them, you know, this is how I would think. And so a lot of times we reveal just how nasty we really are when we judge people in such a vicious way. So just something to think of. Next time you're going to go just, if you ever come to me, it's like, you know, this person in the church, they think this and they think that. I'm going to know that's how you really think. You're nasty. Alright? You know, you, and you better, you better get that fixed. But did the Pharisees, one of the things, is it not true that one of the reasons they hated Jesus so much is because people, Jesus was stealing their crowd? You know, people were listening to him instead of the Pharisees. These people that, you know, everybody used to come to and say, Rabbi, Rabbi, you know, teacher, teacher, you know, give us some of your wisdom. They're not coming to them anymore. They're going to Jesus instead. And so these Pharisees that already didn't care for John the Baptist very much, they're coming to him and, you know, it's like, oh, this is really going to get them. You know, and hey, guess what, John? Everybody's following Jesus now instead of you, thinking this is really going to make him mad. This is going to really upset him. You know, he's going to act like King Saul. Remember King Saul? When he heard the women singing, David had slain his, or Saul had slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Boy, he just got angry. He got jealous. The Pharisees were the same way. And they just assumed John the Baptist was going to be the same way. But John the Baptist was like, hey, didn't I tell you all I wasn't the Christ? Didn't I tell you that the one coming after me was better than me? Listen, I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. Hey, my joy is full. This is what was supposed to happen. This is a good thing. He must increase. I must decrease. And you know what? John the Baptist wasn't just saying it. John the Baptist meant it. And John, the, and this is the crazy thing about John the Baptist too. I mean, he was, he was such a great man. You, just, you don't see anything wrong with him. Yet, not long after this, you know, he just continues doing his work. He's not really noticed anymore. He's not the focal point anymore. And what is his big reward? He gets his head cut off. You know, but yet, I don't think John the Baptist had a problem with that. I really don't. I, I think I think he was okay with that. And so he knows. Look what he said uh, in verse. Uh, lost my spot. Uh, verse thirty. He must increase. I must decrease. So he showed it wasn't about himself. And look at verse thirty-one. It says he that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And he that has seen, uh, and what he has seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. It is clear that John the Baptist understood who Jesus was. 
And so while John, up to that point, was a pretty big deal, he understood that he did not even compare to Jesus. Man, he's above all. He's from the. He's from. You know, he's from heaven. The Father has given His Spirit without measure to Him. I mean, he is. He is just proclaiming the truth about Jesus. And the title, you know, this week's message is Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ. That's who He is. He is our Heavenly Father. Jesus, we all have an earthly father. Every one of us in here, we have an earthly father. And hopefully every one of us in here have a heavenly father. And if you do have a heavenly father, it's Jesus Christ. He is our father. He became our father when we were born again. And look what it says in verse 36. So Jesus, he gave the gospel before to Nicodemus and John the Baptist, the exact same thing. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Right there, whoever believes, same thing, same thing that Jesus said. Was John the Baptist there when Jesus quoted John 3.16 to Nicodemus? No. But you know, it's the same Spirit that was in Jesus Christ. It was in John the Baptist. And so he declared the same things it's whosoever believes. He didn't add anything about works in here. He, did, he didn't say anything about that. It was whoever believes and those who don't, the wrath of God abides on them. Just like He had told those Pharisees, those Jews, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come, the wrath of God was on them. Why? Because they were sinners. They were born of Abraham. They were children of Abraham physically, but they needed to be born again in order to be saved, in order to... to uh, be spared the wrath of God. And whenever we get saved, when we get born again, the wrath of God is not on us anymore. And I'm afraid many people who call themselves Christians today, they've never been born again. It's all about their works. It's all about their church attendance. They think they're covered because they come from a Christian family or you know they're faithfully practicing some form of religion. They think, they think they're covered. That's where the Jews were at. Exact same place. And even John the Baptist, the greatest that ever lived next to Christ, understood that he needed to be born again too. And he believed on Jesus Christ. And Baptists better remember that being Baptist will not get them into heaven. They better believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how, that is how we get born again. That's how we're going to have eternal security. You've got to be born again. Okay? We all know, we don't remember it because we were just little babies, but we all know when we were born the first time, don't we? We all, we all know there's a date. For me, November 24th, 1980. The place, you know, Peoria, Illinois. Methodist Medical Center. That's where I was born the first time. I was born again on April 30th, 1986. Spring Valley, Illinois. That, that's, when, that's when I was born again. The way I got born again... There was nothing physical that happened. There was nothing physical that changed. But one thing that happened on that day, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I got saved. I've still got the same flesh that I had then. If I'm not careful, I could fall into sin. I'm still tempted to sin like anyone, like anyone else. But at the same time, I don't base my salvation off anything that's in this flesh. Off what my desires are or anything like that. In my flesh dwells no good thing. 
And we've got to do a better job of teaching our young people about this and helping them understand that you're, you know, you've all been, if you've been born of water, and you have if you're here, you're sinful. Your flesh is sinful. It will always be sinful. If you're going to go to heaven, you don't go to heaven because you cleaned up your flesh. You have to be born again. You get born again when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, you know, your flesh is still going to desire to sin, but you know what you do? You've got to walk in the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So that means if we do walk in the flesh, we will fulfill the desires of the flesh. And our desires are bad. Our heart's deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And that's not... that. It, that's never going to change until the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. Until He returns and takes and takes and makes us like Him, we're going to have that. And people, they need to accept Jesus as our Heavenly Father. They, they need to be born again. And it happens by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not changing their act. Not growing up. Okay? That's, that's not how it works. And so I hope everyone's done that. Just because you go to this church, I'm not. I'm never going to just assume everyone's in, everyone in here saved. There, I have no doubt in my mind. There's going to be people. There's always going to be people in this church that think they're covered because they go to Liberty Baptist Church. They're going to think they're good because you know they came from a Christian family and maybe you know they think they're covered because they've never done any of the big sins. You know, because they may, or maybe they think they're saved because their life changed at some point. Not realizing that was just growing up. That was just maturity. You've got to understand, you must be born again. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all there is to it. I'd like more than that. How can that be? How could that save you? You've got to have faith. Nicodemus, how can a man be born when he's old? How can this be? You're going to have to have some faith, Nicodemus. And a lot of religious people, they don't want to do that and they're going to go to hell. Even though they were better than a lot of us, they will go to hell because they, they never accepted the free gift of salvation. And you bet, that's what you better do. So with that, let's all stand together. Ye must...